Dave, how are you doing? Um, I've been better. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, it's a difficult time in American history. It is a bleak, bleak, bleak time. Um, it's been a heartbreaking week for so many reasons, and uh, none of us are doing great. But it no. it feels weirdly appropriate that our guest this week is is the host of Doing Great. Vicky Vox, because uh, yeah. we recorded this a while ago, obviously, but um, she's a light. She and is just the best. Just the best. Uh, hopefully we'll bring a smile to uh, people's faces. Uh, yeah. Because we could all use it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to suspend the meet cute for the week. It just doesn't seem right. Um, but we have a great one and you'll hear it next week. Also, it's not the time to read a five-star review, but if you want to leave one, you certainly can on Apple Podcasts, and it really does help. Um, here's all I have to say. Um, there, There is, you know, things are things are dark and getting darker, um, but I, I can confirm that there is a moving truck outside of Ben Shapiro's house right now. Oh, God. He's moving. He's moving out. Where of is he going? He's, moving, he's going to Nashville. Where I don't think he's going to have that much of an easier go. Um, you know, probably ten minutes outside of Nashville, he'll fit right in. But uh, within mm-hmm. Nashville, I can't imagine he's um, going to do much better than he did in Los Angeles. But oh. we wish him the best of luck and the the most heartfelt and sincere "bye, bitch" that I have ever said in my life. <laughs> um, get uh, get the fuck out of here, Ben Shapiro. Get the fuck out of here! Wow, moving van full and and haul ass. Well, and look, if you're, uh, you know, want to be Dave's neighbor, maybe um, yeah. get on Zillow and try to buy Ben Shapiro's house. Yeah, I mean, it's hideous, but you know, it's probably a <laughs> now. Um, all we have to do is get is get Jackson Brittany out of there, and you know, oh, I'm perfectly happy. That's, I mean, that's listen, how I we think, really clean up the neighborhood. Well, Jackson Brittany are having a kid. I think that'll, you know, I think that'll that'll shake them up and wake them up. So I'm not I'm not concerned about them. Yeah. We're we're good. We're good. Um, so goodbye, Ben Shapiro, but hello, Vicky Vox. She is hello, doing great. Um, she is just absolutely a, a treasure and you're going to love her. Matt, she's fanning herself. Oh. She's cooling down. She's got a she's got a, a water cooler of mountain. I believe that's Mountain Valley water in the background Ooh. there. She's getting her life. There's she's a lot Vicky of greenery. Vox. Vicky Vox. Yes. Welcome. Hi. Hello. How <laughs> At are long you? last. I'm doing great. These are my plants. That mm-hmm. one is Keisha and that one is Patty. Keisha and oh. Patty. Mm-hmm. How long have you had them? Um, I inherited them. They've been around for a minute. And then uh-huh. there's also Electra over here. Mother is over here. The kids and them are over there. <laughs> I love it. And do you talk to them when you water them? I do sometimes. I actually just um, yesterday finally cleaned out my fish tank, my aquarium, because my fish Petunia died. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Okay. She She was a carnival fish. Like, I got her at a fair. Over the little street uh-huh. fair behind Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she lasted longer than her brothers and sisters, and I did not expect her to live for five whole ass years, but she did. Yeah, it is so a long time. It was time for her to go, and now I'm making a terrarium, so I got some more plant kids coming. Okay. <laughs> so exciting. 
I'm doing great. Y'all, it's hot in this building. I'm so sorry. It's hot everywhere. It's summertime in Los Angeles, California. It's very hot. This is true. But I'm glad that we are here on today. Time with you is good time. That's are right. you are you Thank getting you so out in the world, Vicky? Or are you trying to just stay in, or what, what's what's going on? Well, I, biscuit. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I'm sorry. He's attacking the new plants. Um. So sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um. It's a slice so, of life. It's what we do. Right. Um. Well, I'm trying to get out more, and by that I mean just by myself. So, I live over here in the Hollywoods, and right by Magic Castle. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I walk up and through the hills. At Magic Castle, because it's quite rigorous for a big bitch. <laughs> oh, that's a steep hill. <laughs> She's quite steep. So yeah. I like to break a sweat out there sometimes, you know? But I'm not trying to see anybody. I don't want to catch nothing. Oh, so you won't even do a social distance hike, like where you no, go you. together, but you stay? <laughs> good. That's good. That's, uh, that's the only safe way to do it. I mean, And you you're know. Zooming the day away at home. Yes. Right? You're doing readings. As we do. Yes, I am doing. I have some after this. I have some readings to read some cards for people. I have no idea who or where they're from today, but yes. Wow. (laughs) Great. So anyone anywhere can book a reading with you. They can. And I just read the little playing cards like we did when you came over to Doing Great, my little podcast. When you came over there and, you know, I just read the playing cards and have a good time. Really what it is is I think people just need to talk. And they need someone to actually listen. Kind of like a little therapy light, you know? Right. Yeah, that's what it right. felt like. We had a little therapy session. <laughs> the emotions were real and they were raw. And because they you know, are. There is something to just the energy of reading any, any kind of cards. Yes. Because, you know, we did my, we did my like, music <laughs> yes. 1990 yes. pop stars cards. And I... I absolutely stand by the fact that I got an accurate reading. From you fully you. did. You fully did. Yeah. <laughs> like my life trajectory yeah. and everything with these cards. Yes. Yeah. Down to compare me to Bonnie yeah. Raitt. I wasn't mad. No. Listen, take it. Take it. And it's, yeah, I mean, if you, if you, you know, if you really get into it and you believe and you tell it with conviction, it's like it works. It is. Well, I mean, you know, we are all creative individuals here in this room right mm-hmm. now. And everything is an allegory for something else. So right. when you think like that and you all, if you go behind whatever you have at face value and you go, well, what could this also mean? You know, depending on who you're talking with, it can connect. And sometimes it really, really does. And sometimes it's a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> and but that's okay that too. Yeah. Hello. Who is in that life? Y'all, I'm really ready for this Rona coaster to be over. I really am. I'm, so goddamn ready. I'm so I want I want to get up to shenanigans again and causing a ruckus and yeah, making memories that I probably shouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first thing you want to do when you're set free? Yeah. You know, okay, I try not to think about it. Is that weird? I mm-hmm. really do. Like I really try not to think about it cuz I'm one of those people. I dream very big. I have a lot going on in my head like stuff. I'd like to get back to big stages and traveling on the world. But I try not to think about it because if I do, then I get anxious that it's like not next week. Yeah. Or right. that like I'm not going into a rehearsal room or I'm not like on a stage tonight getting ready for the yeah. gig. So I try not <laughs> to give my I mean, I have end goals, but they're not really solidified because if yeah. I do, then I get disappointed. I don't like to have expectations. Aim low. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. And just acknowledge that you're stuck here for now. You know, you've got your, you are making the best of it. You are building something while this happens. Right. And you are someday set free. Someday. <laughs> In the meantime, how are you entertaining yourself? Like, what are you, are you, what are you watching, listening to? Oh reading? my gosh. Do not judge me. But like you can totally I would judge never. me because I judge myself. I love crappy TV. Like what everybody else calls okay. crappy TV. Okay. It is phenomenal. <laughs> Such <laughs> what, as? So what? Yeah. Every single Real Housewives franchise, I'm watching it. Great. I'm absolutely watching it and invested. Let's start there. Have you watched the new Potomac? You know I did. I even got on the Twitters and I watched the sneak peek of the second episode. So yes. <laughs> and so can you catch me up with Potomac? Oh my God. Okay, so real quick. The world's trying to make me watch it. So Giselle is back with her ex husband. They they doing stuff. But he's uh-huh. a pastor and he had cheated on her to begin with. And she's tried to go and have some other love life, but it's not working out for her. So now she's I back see. with the pastor, but her kids aren't happy because they don't know them together. They only know them separate, you see. Mm-hmm. So you have that. Miss Karen Huber, she is the grand dame, okay? And self-proclaimed. She is self-proclaimed as the grand dame of Potomac. Yeah. Sure. Do you know where she, Potomac she, is? <laughs> I had never heard of it before this show. Yeah. But it's Maryland, Maryland, the D.C. area. The D.C., Virginia, all it's over there. And so uh, Karen is married to the black Bill Gates. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now they are going through some marital troubles because they have quite the age gap in between the two of them. He is quite older than she is. And, you know, the love life isn't there. So that's going to be their story this season. Then you have the two younger ladies, uh, Candace and what's her name? I don't remember. Ashley or Monique. No, Candace and Ashley. Yeah. Ashley just had a baby. And Candace With- had a lot to say about the baby because Ashley's husband was rumored to be messing around with people and had some sexual assault allegations coming out last season at the reunion. Ooh, it was wild. <laughs> but and he was he was sued by a cameraman. There is there is yes. footage of him grainy footage of him most likely assaulting a cameraman. During yes, filming. came up behind him and okay. grabbed his bootay without his permission. And he is mm-hmm. truly disgusting and vile. If, if he is by, I celebrate it. But right. we're but for so for whatever reason, they're not allowed to. Ashley won't acknowledge that. Regardless, she's so beautiful and yes. and, and 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 smart and just the whole pack. And he is a, a disgusting like. He looks like, like a dick. Yeah, he's a liar mouth. That's what it is. He's a liar, liar mouth. If he could just be honest about some stuff, I don't think anybody would have a problem. Be like, you know, sometimes I need a little attention from this other side of stuff. Okay. Then don't be yeah. sneaky and creepy. It's 2020. <laughs> don't be don't be awful. You know, but yeah. here's the thing. It'd be different if you was up in the gay club and somebody grabbed your butt. That's kind of like part of the culture it's not great <laughs> sure but it's part of the culture when you are on a, a film set or a tv set and somebody come grab your ass we're gonna have to talk about that yeah sure there's there's a time and a place sir yeah, that is you know assault. <laughs> that's a little bit Thank like you we didn't come here for that i came here to work <laughs> okay 
So Potomac is one hour a week. What, how, what else are you? Oh, I'm sorry. We, I mean, to? I really could keep going on Potomac, but this is a short show. So, um, oh, I, no, listen. We'll, no, no. We're, we're don't here to, to receive it. <laughs> because I'm so about any of the, the, the housewives. So we have New York housewives, and they are messy, messy, messy drunk. Yeah. Messy, messy drunk. And they seem to have no remorse <laughs> for, mm. like, see, I have blacked out a few times in my life. And I always apologize <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know that that happened. Or I'm sorry. I, I remember that a different way. <laughs> uh-huh. Not these ladies. They're like, I don't want to talk about it. And they just keep <laughs> moving on. Yeah. These old bitches with Is money. The impression that I have gotten when I've, when I've, uh, dived when, uh, dived into New York. It seems to me like it's it, there's just a cycle. Yeah, it's like <laughs> there's a drunkenness, and then and then I feel like there are, are some little some little pep em ups in the morning of some kind. We mm-hmm. not right. We don't know the business, that but just, yes, <laughs> yeah. But it does seem like there is not the remorse that I have known. Right. There's just <laughs> no, there is none of that. Chemically altered, I would imagine. A little something that keeps them going forward. Well, and see, never I wish, looking back. Right. I wish they could be like the, the housewives of Beverly Hills with Miss Lisa Renner, who goes, were they doing cocaine in your bathroom? Like, I just need mm-hmm. to know. And right. This is why I love them, because they are crazy. But they're, you know, Lisa Renner knows what she's doing around the camera. And I'm very here mm-hmm. for it. Ooh, and Denise Richards. Ugh. Oh. Come on with the lies and the stories. We all love a mess. And first of all, if you were married to Charlie Sheen, you have to be slightly messy yourself. Yeah, sure. You you, you are no saint having spent right. any time with Sir Sheen. So come on now, yeah. girl. Let your freak flag fly and let everybody know about it. Although, let me say this: the sanest person I know, like one one of the most put together people I've ever met, um, lived with Charlie Sheen for a while. What? Um, yes, because <laughs> he was he was he was like a, a recurring on Two and a Half Men. And he just he's he's like he's a young go getter and he's he's like a funny guy and he you know and he writes and he directs and whatever and and I think I think Charlie was like found that energy appealing and also needed a stabilizing influence in his life and I think probably the studio was like yeah yeah you guys can hang out and right. uh, and so so he was he was at Charlie Sheen's house a lot and this is not a, a drinker or drug user. He was, you know, he's married now, but I think he was just like with his wife at the time. It was just they struck up a. I mean, a I'm chat at that. That I want to know everything about, and he won't. He won't tell me anything. Right. Well, can so here's the thing. <laughs> Years ago, when I was like really in the middle of like DWV, the the girl group we were in, when we were mm-hmm. really living the rock star life, I lived in this same apartment, but with. My best friend at the time, who what, is, not was, is a clinical psychologist. Uh-huh. And Ooh. sober at the time, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So I can see how that works and benefits both parties. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wow. And if you saw the two of us together, we look like we have never met. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, he literally goes to the grocery store in a full suit. Like, this is him. And it's it's quite weird, <laughs> but at the same time, hey, odd couple, it works. When it works, it what works. makes it work. Yeah. That's and were you were you getting sort of like informal therapy from him? Well, we called it downloading. Like when you come home and you just got to talk about your day, 
that yeah. kind of stuff and process yeah. it. So yes. And I would, <laughs> by default or like osmosis, I would learn, you know, the program, the, tri- the A, mm-hmm. not the AAA, the AA program or the NA program, <laughs> the AAA program. <laughs> and had language to describe what I was going through at the time. So I, I wasn't mad at it. I learned a lot. And now, now he's owns some important. company that I don't even know what they do, but he's doing great. <laughs> God bless you. As are you. What, uh, Vicky Fox, what do you listen to? What do you, what's your music of choice? You know what? I don't even know, to be honest, because <laughs> I listen because <laughs> you ask music. But the thing is, I don't really listen to music like that right now. I don't know where no. I'm at in my life. No, I'm creating music. So I think my brain is there. But I will say that I'm one of these people that I go on YouTube and I will search a guided meditation for something really wild, like okay. guided meditation for an out of body experience or guided meditation okay. to uh, past life regression or something like this. Right. There's okay. even entire um, <laughs> they're like two hours long and it is a reading of the this is going to sound so nuts, but get ready, y'all. Um, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And it's like the ancient Egyptian, and it was like before Hermes and all of this. So it's like all of like alchemy and... Okay, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. But it's real. No, I, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I mean, I cannot <laughs> wrap real. my mind around this. But. And it, it was actually... And it tells you all about the Emerald Tablets that they're actually made from a material that is not natural because it cannot be destroyed and or like transformed like if you leave an apple it will rot these will never rot these will never rust these were like pristine for, since the day they were made and anyway so the man reads it and it tells you basically how what was ancient before Egypt and it was Atlantis and so Atlantis like and Atlantis Thoth was an Atlantean and he took the knowledge and wisdom from Atlantis brought it to Egypt and gave it to the people at that time Egypt was called Kem now, I know I sound crazy because this is a lot, but I really listen to this to go to sleep. <laughs> right. Because it is so soothing and so wild. Like, it sounds like a sci-fi story. One of the things is under one of the feet in the Sphinx. You guys, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You asked. Uh, no, what are <laughs> apologizing <laughs> for? Because this, this is, is so much better than, like, Carly Rae Jepsen. I would much <laughs> yeah. rather go on this journey with you. Like, I really wish yeah. that I was one of the people that finally, or, like, listened to Folklore by Taylor Swift. I just can't do it because I have other okay. things on my mind. And mm-hmm. one of the things is underneath the Sphinx, I think it's the right paw, there is a cavity or, like, a space with ancient text. Like, you know how there was a library in Alexandria, I think they said it was, that was burnt down. Everybody knows about that, that all of that history was erased. This contains all of that history, and it's buried deep in the desert. Also, under the pyramid... Now, this is where it gets crazy. This is why I started laughing, is because under the pyramid... Well, first it tells you how the pyramids were made, and it was not made by technology. It was made by thought forms. Pause on that, because under the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, the first one is actually a spaceship that will rise when it is ready and when we have the consciousness to use it. Get into that. <laughs> when we have the consciousness okay. to use it. So it's like that spaceship's waiting for us. Yes. To catch up. Yes. <sighs> Holy cow. 
Right. Okay. This is what I, <laughs> this is, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, when, when I did your podcast, there were, we, we got into so many of these areas and I wanted to follow up on so many of them. And I'm glad I finally <laughs> had the opportunity to, that I'm just dying to get a snippet of your like wildest personal experiences with uh, let's say anything in the like supernatural realm. Oh, um, well, see, I think that there's, first of all, I think that a lot of us have a weird belief system that we are having a like normal experience. And then we have paranormal experiences when in reality, if you believe in the spirit at all, like you have a soul at all, then you are supernatural having a physical experience. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And then when you like key in or lock in, then you realize like, oh, there is more going on. But like, okay, I can give you some good ones. From when I was a kid, there was a lot of stuff that happened (laughs) when I was great. I knew that my grandmother had passed. My great grandmother had passed away before my mother did. I went running into her room one night crying because my great grandmother was in my room and she had said whatever. And I was like, she's not here. She said, bye. Da, 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 da. Why is she talking about it? my mom was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Days mm-hmm. later, my mom had come back from the funeral and told me what happened. <laughs> so wow. stuff like that has kind of been my norm, mm-hmm. but in ways that's like not really jarring. So it'll be like, I knew somebody was going to call or I would, I would say, I want this. And then a week later, it literally happened. For example, this is going to sound so cheesy, but for example, once upon a time, I was trying to get on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I said, no, uh-huh. I'm not auditioning for this shit anymore. I'm the shit. I'm not doing it. So I sat there and I went, okay, what do I actually want? I want them to come to me. And who is it? I want to be in a movie. I am not lying when I say this. It was... Two or three weeks later, I got an email from the casting people to go in for a meeting, not even an audition, for a meeting for Magic Mike XXL. Now, that's not me talking and name dropping and stuff. This is saying, like, this is my real life. This is what happens when you just kind of let go and trust that stuff is happening. And I went, no way. And I never felt like I auditioned for it. I literally just went in and talked on camera. (laughs) And they were like, okay, well, um, so why don't you come back and meet the director? And I went, what? <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff all the time. Or like I've even had, I can talk about this stuff all day. I've even had um, like meeting somebody at a party and I'll be like, did you have like a small dog? Like what is it? And then they'll be like, yeah. And they just passed. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Light that candle on your, at the edge, edge of your bed. And they're like, how would you even, I don't know, girl. <laughs> I don't know. Now, mind you, there's also like weird stuff. Like I stand outside on my rooftop and look up and my, I made my roommate. I screamed his name because I was like, what am I looking at in the sky? Now, I still don't know what I saw, but there was like two stars. Right. And then in between them was like this white light going back and forth. Like it would just go by and go by. It happened 12 times. And I was like, that's not a plane because a plane goes like in a direction. This yeah. went from like if from one side to the other and stopped and disappeared and then happened again. And I was like, what is this? And so I still don't know what it is. And I don't know that I'm ever going to find out, but 
that kind of stuff happened to me all the time. <laughs> I bet it was the spaceship from under the pyramid being like, Vicky, you're the only one who gets it. Listen, I'm I mean, not... there's there's so much to be said about that because if you go back and this again, it's going to sound nuts, which I don't mind because I am a uh, complete lunatic. The the what are they called? The Bhagavad Gita's and um, the Viamanas and all of this. They have the religious texts that say that there were her giant um, spaceships, like spacecraft, fighting each other with what you could now call, in our language, laser beams. And there's like whole proof of how um, some of the, the things they used in their, the, the War of the Gods is basically equivalent to like atomic bombs and nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. When scientists go back and look at it, they like read the text and you can basically put together instruments of destruction if you read the text because it tells you how to do it. <laughs> oh, shit. And they're like thousands of years old. So when I've come across this stuff, I'm like, well, it doesn't not make sense. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean to bogart this whole conversation, but you asked. No, no. That's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. So, me? I mean, is this the time to be visited by alien life forms? Is this the best time or the worst time right now? It's chaos. Well, I'm, listen, I feel like in, in any of our lives, I feel like out of chaos, or in the wake of chaos, there is always a blessing in the wake of it. And it's not until you get to the other side do you realize why it all happened. Mm. And I feel like a lot of what is going on right now is meant to shake, like, yes, it's happening to us, but at the same time, I think it's happening for us. And I, I believe this because if everything you thought about the way your life went is no longer true, then what are you going to do now? And I think that question is so scary and so daunting to so many people. Like, what do I do if everything that I thought was my identity is no longer valid and it's through no fault of my own? What do you do? You then have to go and see what is is valid in your life and what is actually you and what do you want to do about it and i think that that's empowering and i don't know that everybody sees that yet (laughs) and and has that happened for you where are you in that process personally um well i mean i think it's a daily struggle for me but i do feel like um well, first, I have been asking for the world to stop for a long time because I was doing mm-hmm. a lot of gigs that I wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with so many things about my life. And I feel like when it stopped, I went, Whoo, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now I'm in definitely in the place of like, what do I do about it, though? Like, right, what right. do I do? Like, what do I have control over? Everything feels so out of control that I really sit back and go, okay, but like, what can I do right now? And for me, you know, if that's turning an aquarium into a, a terrarium, then that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Great. Something. You've you got your terrarium, you've Wait, got your but plants. Your, but your actual question, I do think that now is the time for people to see things differently. And I don't mean like physically see. I mean their actual perspective. Because if what you knew is not the same anymore, then you start to question everything and then you're open to possibilities. Mm-hmm. I also have a feeling in my own world, in my own belief system, that 
aliens and angels might actually be the same thing. We just have different language for it. You're going to tell me that Ezekiel saw a wheel spinning in the air. And that was an angel. Where if somebody from Nebraska tells you they saw a wheel spinning in the air, today we call it a UFO. Mm. And that makes me go, well, I mean, maybe it's all the same stuff. We just all see it differently. Right. And they've been branded so differently. They're very different images in in our minds. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel that about people, too. People get branded differently. And it's not until you get to know the person do you realize how much you actually have in common when they've been branded so different from you. And I, I just say that from my own life, that I'm always an other in, like, any room I'm ever in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... Do you feel the way that you have been branded as a performer aligns with who you are? Um, I wouldn't say that it's misaligned. I would say that it's an aspect of myself turned up. And part of it happened because of necessity and like survival. And then part of it was, yeah, was absolutely like a protective coat and covering. Mm. But I needed it because I don't know that. Like when I was first starting out trying to make a name for myself, nobody would take me seriously. So I said, oh, so you're not going to take me seriously? Well, then I'm going to take the piss out of myself and I'm going to really use that to my advantage. Like if you're not going to see me, I'll make you see me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is fine. Sure. It, and we in, see that, <laughs> in that, I feel like it, it aligns in such a way that I believe, like I was saying in the very, very beginning, that everything we see can mean other things. There's always a story behind it everything like if you look at this laptop there are people's lives invested in my laptop that i'm using that i don't even know like in the making of it in the programming Mm -hmm. of it in the design of it you know and all of that that i don't even know but their story has affected me because here i am using a piece of their life and they don't even know me so like i think about all that kind of stuff (laughs) the beautiful way to think of this fucking hunk of machinery that we're staring at all day you know, I also look at it like magic, because if you were not from here, not in this time and place, and you just magically popped up, however that happened, in some movie, in some sci-fi movie, you popped up, and you saw somebody with a cell phone, you would think that that was some magic rock. That they could hit a couple times, and all of a sudden there's food at their door. That's which That is spellcasting. <laughs> that is witchery. You know, and it's wild, but I really think about stuff like that. So there's technologies that we don't know about that maybe it might have had to do with plants and stones, which I was reading. See, I read a lot, y'all, about some stuff, wild stuff. And that's what ayahuasca is. It's a plant medicine. It is a technology that people use to do whatever they do, to be honest. Have you done ayahuasca? I have not, but I have thought about it. That's why I was reading. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But have you, though? I have. <gasps> See? So, you know, I'm talking about... Yeah. You can't t- you yeah. can't tell me that's not uh, some kind of technology that we just don't understand. Yeah, I I think maybe I did it wrong. No! There's no way to do it wrong! <laughs> I think I maybe did it wrong. I thought that what you did... You did, like, ayahuasca light I, or something, right? I did... Yeah, I did... Uh, it's actually Wachuma. It, it's in the, it's in the, the ayahuasca family. 
Um, it is it is supposed to be the plant spirit of Saint Peter. Oh yes, I've heard about this. Yeah. Okay. So, and I did one. Um, it, it's totally at like. It, I mean, it was there was a shamaness sort of overlooking who was overseeing the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, and her and like her son and a couple other helpers. But it was fully at like some dude's house in you know off of Laurel. Right. That's so. <laughs> it was. It was in. It was in a big spacious yard. But it was. It, it felt to me like I. I definitely had an emotional release. And mm-hmm. then, as the day went on and the vegan dinner was being cooked, I definitely got the sense that it was about to turn into like a fancy hippie orgy. That happened. and I just wasn't. I I wasn't mentally or physically there. That's okay. Um, Listen, yeah. everybody's journey is individual. I'm sorry for biscuit right. barking. He have an attitude problem. So no, <laughs> his we'll barks are welcome. <laughs> yeah, we have we have dogs who uh, who interrupt all the time, and it's totally fine. But yeah, it was it was interesting, and I I, I would like to do it again properly. You know, also Here's, I ate late the night before, and I think that's probably a no no. Oh, they have all mm. kinds of stuff where you're not you're supposed to cut out meats, and you're supposed to cut out right. sugars, and right. no, I didn't do any of that. Here's the thing. I mean, if you subscribe to a certain ideology, everything yeah. is here to teach you, everything, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can go down like a a little rabbit hole and you really get a lesson, which is what I think ayahuasca is. It's like a direct connect to the lesson. So no matter how you did it, you did it. You see, so like you are changed for having done it, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. No matter how it happened, you can still look back and go, oh, okay, well, this, that, and the other. Right. But had you never done it, you wouldn't have learned any of that. That's so I, I, you can't really say you did it wrong. <laughs> uh, but I did. I did. I mean, I, I, I learned what I needed to learn. Okay. See? Um, in the moment. And it provided me, I was working on my memoir at the time and I didn't have an ending and it gave me an ending. So that was perfect. And see, sometimes that's what it is. That's all you really yeah. needed. Because listen, if uh, I look at it like this, they say that like God will whisper and then eventually you literally get smacked in the face. It's that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So if you're paying attention to the whispers, the little things, the subtle signs, you, basically that's your intuition. So if you're like, I'm hungry and you eat, that's paying attention to what's going on. So if right. you pay attention to the little things, you won't have to have a sudden like, aha, life shaking, life shattering moment of full understanding and comprehension because you've been understanding right. it as you went along. So I don't right. even think that everybody, if you're looking for like the sudden realization moment, that doesn't happen for everyone because maybe you don't need it. Exactly. I needed a nudge. <laughs> maybe you just needed like a little, hey girl, <laughs> over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am actually getting a sign from uh, my from my artificial pancreas telling me that I need to eat a fruit snack. So let's take a break eat a fruit <laughs> snack. Um, and we'll pick it back up with Vicky Vox. We are back with Vicky Vox. Hey, Neil. <laughs> we're good. We're refreshed. Yeah. Uh... Vicky, take us back to high school. Where did you go to high school? Where, where, where did you grow up? Oh, um, a little place called Washington Township in New Jersey, in South Jersey. Oh, okay. 
It was built as a premier community. Mm-hmm. We were all trash. <laughs> 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 oh, it was rough though. Oh, high school was rough. So what if, so imagine, if, say I'm the new kid in your class. I'm, I have, have Dave Holmes is, you know, captain of the football team and he's taking me under his wing and he's, he's escorting me around the school being like, those are the cheerleaders. Those are the newspaper geeks. That's Vicky Vox. Here's the deal with Vicky Vox. What were, what was the, who were you? I don't even know. I was quite, I feel like I was quite aloof. I feel like I kind of knew everybody, but then didn't know. I was one of those people that didn't have a click. Mm-hmm. But like, if you were in a click, you thought I was in another one. Uh-huh. I, like, I hung out with the cheerleaders. I was best friends with the art kids. I was a theater kid. I was in three different choirs and I was in a show choir outside of high school. And mm. then I took extra math classes. So by my senior year, I was in all college courses doing all this, that stuff. To, I took computer programming at some point. <laughs> you had your hands in everything. I was really doing the most. Like I was doing the most. Also, I went into rehab in 10th grade. Oh, but great. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but it was very um, traumatizing at the time. I was also yeah. one of those kids that would wear like those, what were they called? Parachute pants, UFO pants. Uh-huh. You know, like the Genko jeans, but they were like out of parachute material. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that was me with like... Final, a shine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was a mess. But yeah, so I was in rehab in 10th grade because it was just so hard because I was so different. I was so, so different. I never really came out, per se. Right. Like when I was 13, I don't even know what grade you're in at 13, but when I was 13, my grandmother sat me down and she basically said, hey, look, you're going to piss some people off in life just because you're yourself. That's it. They're not going to like you just because you are you. She never told me what that meant. But then she said, all you have to worry about is that I love you. And that's all that matters. So you have somebody that loves you. And I did not understand that for years. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I was like, oh, my God. My grandmother tried to warn me <laughs> about everything that I have gone through. Like, she really tried to prepare me just for the fact that I was myself. Other people would have a problem with it. Right. Whatever that meant. And to me, that was like just being my full, ridiculous human self, which apparently offends some people. (laughs) Well, I mean, high school is terrifying for anyone who is even remotely different because you get absolutely hammered by the people who are grateful that they're not the one being picked on. Oh, absolutely. And so they like, so they throw that, they're so relieved that they're not the most different, that they put all that energy on the one who for the moment is. And that's fucking awful. It's awful. Yeah, it was. It was so, okay, so the reason I went to rehab, let's get back to that. Because I feel like I I dropped that bomb. I didn't want to delve. I dropped that bomb and ran away from it. But... (laughs) So it honestly, um, it wasn't because I had a problem. And I know that that sounds problematic, but it really wasn't. The reason I was in rehab is because one day I had gone into my dad's liquor cabinet and put a fifth of Jack Daniels inside a sports water bottle and drank it on the way to school because I just could not handle 
what was going on at school. And so it was like the constant name calling. Like I wasn't allowed to eat in, in the cafeteria. I had to wait for other people to get their food. Otherwise shit would pop off. Like I would have to like literally either verbally fight for my life every day or physically fight after school. Like it was, that was just the process. And I was just, I was done. I was done looking over my shoulder everywhere I went. I was done with everything. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to drink here. And so that was what I chose to do. And I fell out of my desk trying to get my pencil. And then I cussed out Mm -hmm. the teacher in my next class. And they were like, you have Mm -hmm. to go to the principal's office. And I cussed out the principal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. And basically, in order for me to be allowed back into the school system after my two-week suspension, I had to be enrolled in outpatient rehab. And that was twice a week. And it was the school would give me, quote, unquote, random drug testing. (laughs) and that was just that was the process so it wasn't because i had a problem which led to me realizing that i was not the problem right because up until then i was like i can't blend in i like i used to pray i was thinking about this today actually i used to pray in middle school like sixth grade however old you are then that god would either let me wake up as barbie or superman but he need to go ahead and pick one because I didn't make any sense. <laughs> like everything everybody else was talking about didn't make any sense to me. And I would like get constantly harassed. Like, woo. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was rough. And I did try to take my own life. And that was before the rehab moment. That's when they put right. me into like, <laughs> they put they put you on the, what's it called? The mental ward or some shit. And they had to observe you for three days to make sure you weren't going to do it. And then you had to get help. And it was in the therapies. That I was like, you know, I'm really not the problem. I'm just having a hard time dealing with the problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that was the first, that was a huge wake up call for me to go, you know what? Forget all y'all. Every single one of you, because none of you were helping. <laughs> you were all adding to the problem. But I have to go through this a different way. Because what worked for me and what everybody's advice is, was not the same. It's still fairly new to approach that kind of an issue and say, how can we serve this kid better? Rather than, how do we make this kid fit in and make the problem go away that way? Right, right. Oh, my God. I mean, my I mean, dad thought he could slap the problem out of me or punch or whatever sure. it was. That didn't work. Because that <laughs> me being who I was, <laughs> that yeah. just made me uh, fight even harder to say, shut the hell up. <laughs> Which right. would then, in turn, things weren't great. Right. <laughs> how did rehab affect you going back to school after that experience? Um, It was actually uh, terrifying because now I wasn't only the like weird sissy kid that didn't make any sense. Now I was the sissy kid that was an actual problem for the school. (laughs) And I was the, the little, um, you know, the F word that Mm. had a drug problem, which I never did the drugs at that time and it was just like how do I get back in the swing of things because I was doing when I tell you I was doing so much I was in like every after school program that for the arts that there was like I had to get back into everything and it was just that like re-entry was kind of rough because all these people knew you and now they know like a dark part of you (laughs) But none of that is the whole you, if that makes any sense. So it's like, hmm, well, just push through it. And somehow you do. I don't even, I don't know how you do it. 
I just know that you can do it. There's like a switch that gets flipped somewhere. It's kind of like before you ever go on stage for me. When it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, I got to pee, I'm nervous. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, here I am. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know when the, like, the meter switches or, like, when, when the light switch. I don't know when that happens, but it does. And it can. And you just got to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it makes you, like, invulnerable. If you can, if you can push through. <laughs> you are, like, <laughs> right. made of steel. Right. After that. <laughs> I you you know I am the unsinkable Molly Brown. You're not gonna get me. <laughs> you are not gonna get me. I promise everybody. I have done enough to myself where you cannot come over here and you're not gonna rattle my bones at all. <laughs> yeah. So you never you never came out per se. But what was your first experience with dating or like you know connecting with another queer person? Oh well. Okay, first we need to address the fact. The reason I never really came out is because my mom used to find <laughs> my um, internet stash of stuff when back okay. when LimeWire and Kazaa was the thing. So she, had, she had some questions for me about the content that was appearing on her computer that was the family talk, computer. <laughs> talk us through this content. Well, if I can remember, it was, it was just a lot of pornography. It was a lot of dicks and butts. Sure. It was a lot of sure. stuff. And it, but it was like full movie stuff. And I was like, my mom was like, what is this? And I was like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> no, girl. No, no, no. No, no, no. But my mom being my mom and was trying very hard to be as waspy as she could be, just let it all slide. <laughs> she just never brought it up again. I was like, oh, okay. Well, there we go with that. <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told anybody about that. But that was in the days of like AOL Instant Messenger and AIM. Yeah. The only thing I had really to tell me anything about sex and stuff was some book my mom gave me about my body going through changes, which doesn't tell you anything. Mm. And I feel like I wanted so badly because I didn't know who I was, but I wanted so badly to like figure it out. But there was no community for me to figure that out. It was now I feel like I wish I had waited until like every other homosexual and like came out in college and like lost their mind. <laughs> you know when, they glitter, when back in the back in the day there was the time when everybody had those little ball chokers. You know, like oh, yeah, rainbow yeah. ball choke like little chain chokers and then, mm-hmm. and then they would like the short spiky hair with the little uh highlighted tips and stuff like i wish i had gone through that but that was just not who i was i had to figure things out earlier and secretively (laughs) right because i just need i needed to know my curiosity got the best of me damn it sure so well no i mean i think i think and you were searching for your place in the world right right you know you were you were a seeker and you were not getting what you needed no (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, there was nobody to go to. Like, who do you go to? I mean, for me, there was no, nobody was like, well, nobody looked like me. Nobody Mm -hmm. on any of the TVs made sense because everybody was in the closet then. Everybody. And it wasn't something that was ever talked about. Like, I remember when Will and Grace came on the air and it was like, oh, there's people. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, people can do things. Or, um... What was his, what's his name? I do know his name, damn it, on My So-Called Life. Oh, uh, Wilson Cruz. Yes. Wilson Cruz. Yes. 
he was like, oh, what's that? And the, this was right around when Rent the Musical had hit, and I ate that up. Everything about it, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But there's people, there's things going on. There's more than just, like, what I'm told not to do. These people are all doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Even though it was fake and all uh, like a story. I was like, I'm into it because this is fiction. I'm here for it. So I really just wanted to get a, I almost said a taste of that, which is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> I, it's not inaccurate. You know? Hmm. So well, did you I'm, go I'm to... also, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no did, did you go to New York uh, when you left home? The first time. <laughs> the first time, yes. I I graduated high school and I went to Pace University in New York, right downtown by City Hall. Mm-hmm. And I left there <laughs> after a semester because it was very wild. Very, very wild. Um my roommates my roommates in the dorms sold cocaine. My Ooh. best friend was selling ecstasy and the neighbor next to me was selling weed. And we would do acid and then get on the subway and get lost. So it was just a lot. And I was 17. And it was like, yeah. girl, you might want to go home real quick. <laughs> yeah. You might want to go lot. home. Yeah. I knew. Th- I mean, the thing was, it was just not the life for me. I had an act because I went to school for musical theater, of course. And in that, in one of the first acting classes, oh, man, they, they, it was such an acting class thing to do where they put you in a chair in front of the room facing everyone else and you just have to sit there and the teacher observes oh, you. God. Well, my ass didn't like that very much because this is this was the first day and I got in that chair and when I tell you, like, I sat down and kind of squared up and looked that teacher right in the face and gave him the eye like, what, bitch? What? And he makes you hold it for like a whole, like, two minutes which feels like an eternity when nobody's talking. <laughs> and when I tell you, I was like, this is not for me. This is mm-hmm. not for me because I'm going to fight this man. <laughs> <laughs> so I never went back to that class. <laughs> so you go home, uh, collect yourself, and yes. and then what? What's the next move? Well, I don't usually talk about this part of my life because, it w- I mean, not because it's bad. It actually was really great. It just doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, I moved out to Southern California and joined a group. I'm not going to say their name now because they're going through some problems. But um, it was a performing arts group that basically the what we were told is that we would get college credits to perform and teach music, uh, dance, acting, improv, and all of this to children. So I went and traveled the world with this group. And we did workshops where for three days we would teach up to 300, 600 kids, anywhere from like five years old to 25. We've done it in prisons. We did it in middle schools. We did it wherever, in like churches and stuff. It was wild. And so we would teach them in three days. We would teach them an hour of show. They learned by accident during the classes. (laughs) Like if they had an improv class, they were really learning a whole like three-minute performance piece in that improv class, but they learned it because we were teaching improv, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so... With that, that was like three or four years of my life. And I left because I was like, this is too much. I'm literally working for free, <laughs> volunteer, mm-hmm. for three years. And I would sleep in, in random people's homes because it was like a homestay situation. We never stayed in like hotels and never put us up. We stayed with families of the students we were teaching. Wow. So it was 
quite wild. And there was a cast of like 40 of us, 40, 45 of us. And so the end of the three days, we would do a show where the kids would do an hour show first. And then, no, we would do an hour show first as a thank you to the community. And then the kids would do the second hour where we were like right in the trenches with them, like making sure that nothing really went wrong. But that was intense. (laughs) Yeah. That was intense. And I left there. As soon as like, excuse me, um, one of my friends actually died on the tour bus. And I was like, I gotta go. This is not for me. Well, he didn't die because of what we were doing. He, we all got sick, and he actually had like a, this is so random, but he had a, a heart virus we didn't know about, nobody knew about. And so on the tour bus in the middle of London, he turned completely blue, and it was done so for him. So the, after that tour, we had one town left to do, like one performance left to do, one workshop, and I could barely get through it. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. I got to go. I do not want anything to do with being anywhere in front of people right now so i moved to nebraska (laughs) nebraska yes this is one of my favorite stories to tell because it is wild so i lived with my friend my roommate now actually um we live together in nebraska grand island nebraska right in the middle and we live behind a a beautiful island (laughs) beautiful island in nebraska (laughs) and where it was it was in a cornfield behind a truck stop and a, a Dr. John sex shop. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I am I me. Need, I am me. In I need like this all show. Of, I need this sitcom. In my life. <laughs> Absolutely. In all of my ridiculous glory. Mind you, these were still like, I still had Jersey strong in me. Like I was tanning. My hair was always dyed. I was very like that Jersey homosexual. That was me. And I was, and he, my roommate is <laughs> an African-American male. From Delaware, and he, at the time he had these long ass dreads, right? And we were both some sissy bitches. And the two of us prancing around in the middle of Nebraska with these men in their camo trucks <laughs> and full on shotguns. Oh my God. It was, it was another experience. But I only did it because I really just had to get away from everything. And I felt like, this is safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was was it? How long were you there? I was there for a year. I was there for a full year. I ended up, I actually was, this is so wild. I was teaching, no, I wasn't teaching. uh, He was teaching dance. I ended up working for a dance competition company (laughs) that took us away from Nebraska every weekend. So I was like, whoo, we just get out for a couple days. We only have to be there three days a week. Great. As soon as it was was done, I left. And then that next year I moved, I was going to move back to New York, but then I moved back to Hollywood. And that's when, like, Vicky happened maybe two years after that. Yeah, how did Vicky happen? Okay. <laughs> I had never, I never wanted to be a drag queen. That was not in my life plan. That was not on my bucket list. This was not something I ever wanted to do. I never said that's a great idea. Not once. Yeah. But for, like, Halloween and stuff, maybe. But, like, nah, that was not the plan. This was not on the roadmap. I was in school at the Musicians Institute over here in Hollywood. I really wanted to be a singer-songwriter. I really thought that that was the way for me because that's what I wanted. (laughs) That didn't go that way. So right when I was about to graduate, I never graduated because as I was going to graduate, graduate, oh, Jesus, man, I was um, doing voiceover work and like session work with vocals in the studio and 
just trying to make gigs work, I was like, I don't really care if I graduate. I'm already working. And in that, I, oh, that's when I worked at Fossil <laughs> because I was uh-huh. just trying to pay my bills. So I sold watches, singing in the studio, and I had a band. And everybody in the band was, they were basically metal players. They were German. <laughs> like my drummer was German and he loved like death metal. Oh, wow. And I was not performing death metal of any kind. <laughs> But he was really great. Like, his vibe was exactly, like, the kind of, like, brassiness that was me. So it got along. We got along really, really well. So I had booked a gig. It was, like, a $50 gig. And they were like, we can't pay your band. I was like, yeah, no shit. And I didn't want to lose the money because at the time I was eating, like, frozen burritos. Like, a box of them was $2, and that's what I had to live on. And I was like, I can't lose this money. And they said, okay, we can't pay your band. Can you do it with tracks? Sure, I can do it with tracks. Okay, but now the the promoter and the night is changed where it's going to be a lesbian night and everybody else is a drag queen. Would you like to host it in drag? We can pay you a little more. And I said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that was the gig <laughs> that Vicky was. you'd never done drag before? Not, not like drag. Like I had thrown a wig on just to mess with people, but never like drag on purpose. Wow. <laughs> yes, that's when it happened. And ever since then, I've been working. Like it wasn't. I really did not think that that's where I was going to end up, but I did. And, you know, I wanted it to be a stepping stone, but here we are 10 years later. <laughs> I love this. Now, how did your drag family then come together? Oh, see, now this is the story. So I had, believe it or not, there was actually an audition to be in a show at Miss Good Hamburger Mary's over here in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I came through the door late because I didn't even know there was an audition. When I found out, I slapped on the paint, threw a wig and a muumu on, and busted it over there. I was late. I walked in front of whoever was performing. I didn't give a damn. I walked right in front of them and was like, here's my music to the, D- to the DJ. And <clears throat> the people I walked in front of were Detox and Calpurnia Adams and actually oh, wow. Lady Red Couture, who just passed away, and Roxy Wood and the producer of the show. I didn't know that they were sitting in the front. Why would I? I didn't even know that there was an audition until last minute. So I get on the stage and I'm singing Natural Woman, looking crazy. And I'm rolling around on the stage as I sing, singing not even the right notes, just whatever I wanted to sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Detox threw her shoe at me <laughs> because I was hollering so hard. She threw her shoes, apparently because I was the last one of the, the auditioners. They went up into the meeting room, and then Detox was like, I don't know who she is, but I want her. Uh That was the beginning of Detox and my relationship. And from there, we would just, like, party all the time. And then we would call each other when we would go home and be like, I love you so much. Like, you're exactly what I needed in my life. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. that. To the point of one night, it was just like, so, are we family? Like, what is this? And Detox was like, yeah, I'm going to have... I'll tell you what night it was. We went to some warehouse party downtown. And we walked in. It was after we had already done a show. So we're both lit. (laughs) Lit. And at this time, we usually had a very good um, butch lesbian with us. Because they were like our security. And they were usually driving because neither one of us was ever going to drive. Like, that just was irresponsible. Right. And... 
So we walk into this warehouse party, and it was one of those, like, what kind of party is this? I think I just went through a tree, but I know I'm inside a building. And there was, like, a TV somewhere that had, like, neon dancers on it, but I didn't know what was going on. And then there's a bar in the middle. It was very, like, art house something, but also a rave. I don't remember. But then somehow Detox and I ended up on the roof where there was a bonfire. And I had (laughs) drinks and blunts in my hand. I said, look what I found. And the both of us at the same time showed in our hands and she had drinks and some other stuff. We're not going to talk about that in public. But it was, you know, some chemical substances. And the two of us went, yes! (laughs) And then we looked at each other and we realized that we were standing and everybody else was sitting down. And I said, okay, some of y'all motherfuckers going to have to get up because we need to sit down. And that is when Detox said, okay, that's my child. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and from then on, we were mother and daughter, even though I'm her daughter, but I'm a year older than she is. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yes. And that's how that happened. And we have stayed close ever since then. Ever since then. But, like, my drag family's pretty pretty large because that's, like, my mother. But then there's, like, the rest of the drag community, which I see as, like, my sisters or, like, nieces. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a working queen in L.A., if we have worked together, we are family now. Like, that is just it. Like, we are all that we are. And I'm, I, unless I fight with you, there's a few that I have had to cuss out. <laughs> and there's a few that are scared of me. But it's probably because they were late and probably because they were dumb. And I had to have something to say. It's not my fault. I'm just Vicky Vox. <laughs> and I'm, I will let you know. <laughs> Vicky, we could talk to you all day. <laughs> I'm just wow. over here yapping. <laughs> Did we no, this is... Did what I a joy. <laughs> oh, you love it. it all. Will you please come back all of the time? <laughs> I can come back. I mean, sure, why not? We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yes, please. We need to follow up. Uh, there are a million more things I want to ask you. Um, but uh, this has been such a joy. Y'all are, this, this, I'm really glad I came through here today. Y'all are great. And you look Us good, feeling about. good. Thank you. <laughs> So do you. You know, so are you, you. So you're you're going to a reading. Oh, yes. You I have to go through some of these set. readings. I yes, child. <laughs> and if people want to sign up for a reading, they just find you on... TheVickyVox.com. Yes. And any of my socials is. is at TheVickyVox. You can also cash at me if you want. <laughs> Vicky Vox, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Well, Matt, we've come to the end of another episode. Dave, 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 Dave. Thank you for being here with me, giving me a reason to live. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts with five stars only, of course. Thank you to Renee Colvert with a T. Mm-hmm. Our, our producer, thank you to Ryan Connor, our engineer. Thank you to everybody at Earwolf. Uh-huh. Thank um, you, Ben Wise, for the music. And thank you, listener, for listening. Uh, Tell a friend. Leave a review. We love you. 